Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Six Degrees of Associations. I'm your host, Lucas McCann. Uh, with us today, Rhea Steele, Chief of Staff and VP of Strategy and Governance at School Nutrition Association. Did I get it right? You certainly did. It's a long title. We'll get to that in a minute. But <laughs> welcome, Rhea, uh, to the show. Um, I will turn the microphone over uh, to you to start, as I typically do. Tell us a little bit about how you found associations, where you are today, and how you found this crazy world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, this has been a fascinating journey for me. Um, I uh, went, um, I actually went to school for museums and field studies for my graduate degree. So I have undergraduate degrees in anthropology and fine arts. Um, and at that, you know, decided I wanted to be a museum. So um, started out in museums and then um, happened to have a couple internships uh, that brought me out to the East Coast. I was living out in Colorado prior to that. And the museums um, just sort of drew you to DC naturally. Th- I mean, <laughs> right. After saying, I'm never going to live in DC, suddenly I found myself in Annapolis, <laughs> um, which is absolutely fascinating. Um, and, you know, as, uh, as one of the internships was winding up, um, interestingly enough, the husband of my, um, sponsor for one of the internships actually worked at an association and, brought me in for this like one weekend to help out with this thing that I completely didn't understand that I deeply understand now was a, you know, um, uh, session selection meeting for their annual conference. Um, but I was just brought in to like help with the technology and, um, had this amusing moment for me at the time where I had, they had, you know, their file server. And so I had a spreadsheet up in front of them where I was running it. And then I had a laptop in my lap and was making changes and everything was happening live. Um, and I think that they had never experienced something like that <laughs> in their <laughs> lives. And I found myself with a job offer to an association um, within a matter of weeks. And, you know, I have to be honest, it, it came in at the same time as a job offer to a muse- museum research firm. And there was a pretty significant difference in pay for the two. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to take the higher pay, um, which, you know, is kind of an interesting entryway (laughs) to the association space. Um, yeah. Higher higher pay to the association space. Not, not a typical route, but right. (laughs) Most of us don't think that. No, I've Um, seen a lot of the corporate jump over. That would be uh, also a typical, but yeah. 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 But I, I mean, I also do think like coming from the museum environments, you know, their, their budgets are tight. Um, and museum researchers especially are here. There's not very many, um, in that crowd. So it was very, it was a really interesting jump over to, to be making because I had never experienced associations, no idea what this thing was that I had just stepped myself into. Um, and it was an education policy organization. I never had education policy background, um, experience at all, ever. Um, I did have like the, the research background, um, and came in on the programmatic side of things. Um, and then shortly, I would say within about a year or so, um, through an interesting series of events, wound up working part-time in the programmatic side and part-time mm-hmm. in the IT side, um, which is actually where kind of my interest in systems change and process improvement really um, started flourishing. So I knew there um, was some tech background there somewhere. Yeah. Now we've just, we've just found the root origin. Right. There. Exactly. It's all informal though. Right? right. I've, you know, I, I throughout my career, I've actually kept finding myself in jobs where there's a component of technology. Um, even when I was a graduate assistant, 
you know, I was really good friends with the webmaster for the museum. And she went out on maternity leave and was like, you can do this, right? And I was like, sure. <laughs> right. So I wound up, you know, managing their website for a couple months while she was out. Um, and so it's been kind of interesting that the tech has had, you know, flowed through my, my career in that way. Um, and then through kind of a series of, of additional events, um, the IT director at the time wanted to shift over onto the programmatic side of the organization. And so his position came open. Mm -hmm. And so I negotiated myself into an IT manager role in the organization, which was um, really interesting because I think for me, it was less about the technology and more about the systems change and my ability to affect process change in the organization and being able to see see how we could connect some of the dots across the organization by leveraging technology um, and leveraging kind of the, the relationships that the technology team can build. Um, and I think that's been a thread throughout my career too. And I, I even do it in HR and in the other buckets that I oversee now where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, at my team and myself as integrators across the organization, right? Like anytime we're having staff conversations, we're making connections, right? We're, we're receiving information. And a lot of times, because my teams are working across the organization, we have those opportunities to connect dots that may not be connected otherwise. Um, so we can really affect organizational change and really help the organization grow and strengthen because we're helping to connect dots that may not be connecting. Yeah, already. Absolutely. I mean, it seems like a, a far <laughs> jump to go from, you know, research to technology, but it's really not. I mean, the more you talk about it, I, I saw the bridge that seemed natural in your course and really a lot of technology. In fact, Artesia Moore, I don't know if you saw it on LinkedIn, oh, she's yeah. wearing a t-shirt that says something along like AI is nothing more than math or is just math or something like that. I was like, first yeah. of all, that's brilliant and hilarious at the same time. But a lot of it is, right? I mean, the technology is just, as you said, the systems, it's math, um, it's connecting dots, making things efficient, work more integrated together. Yeah. And it's definitely, you know, for, for me, one of the, one of the things I say a lot, right, is that all of us, all of us, wherever you're at in an association, if you are in a leadership position or even growing into a leadership position, you have to understand the technology around you, Right. We're not living in an era anymore where we can say, yeah, I don't do that, <laughs> right? I don't use Teams. I don't use Gmail, right? Like we're in a space where in order to really make strategic decisions where we're, we're moving ourselves forward against our mission and our vision, we have to understand the technologies in our environment and yeah. we have to, you know, we don't have to be able to code things, right? We don't have to be able to like stand up a server or, you know, build build an app, but we do need to understand how the technologies can be used, how they're shifting the world around us, how they're shifting our members' needs, and how they might be leveraged yeah. in, in an organization, right? We'll always have tech experts that can actually like implement for us, right? But but as leaders, it's so critically important for us to just be aware mm -hmm. so that we can connect those strategic dots. Yeah, I think there's a, a rising expectation of the quality and the quantity of output of any one role. And so if you mm -hmm. can't utilize these tools, if you rolled the clock back 10 years ago, the output of a marketing professional, for example, um, you know, might be a few graphic designs every couple of days. And now it should be minutes, right, to, you know, yep. an hours at the most that you can use these tools that can create a lot of it for you. And you say, oh, we don't need to code. 
And it's, I think it will get to a point where nobody needs to code. As long as you can communicate what you're ultimately trying to create, there will be you know, technology, AI, bots, whatever you want to call it, that will do all that heavy lifting for you or not even heavy lifting, just sort of the grunt blocking and tackling to it. Yeah. Yep. And I also think with that, for us as strategic leaders, right, it's we have to really be thinking about where we're spending our time and energy, right? I think for me, you know, one of those things I love, love, love that makes others crazy is I love systems change, right? I love these kind of like really big problems that our organizations are facing and thinking about where all the little levers are, right? That we need to be, you know, pulling and and where we need to be tweaking policy or approach or things like that to actually get us to that really big change. And I feel like, you know, AI and, you know, some of the other tools we have at hand to make our jobs easier, I create new, new, (laughs) new sets of issues. But also, they, if we're leveraging them properly, they can help us find that space to be in that higher strategic plane as leaders, right? So you're really thinking, you're thinking bigger picture, and you're looking for more, um, more opportunities across your environment. Yeah, it, it made me think of, and I, I mentioned that I would mention this when we were talking pre-show, was you have a quote on your LinkedIn that says, transparency is the window into the soul of our strategy, and that sharing the how and the why ultimately builds the trust, essentially, to be able to accomplish these things. Like, tell, I mean, that's that's deep, and it's big, um, and I'm a 100% believer on the root of that being trust. But talk talk to us a little bit more about that specific idea, uh, how you implement that, what it looks like in practice. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of talking. Um, in reality, you know, I'm (laughs) exactly, um, I'm, I'm actually a really firm believer in, in transparency, in sharing as much as we can. I also acknowledge I'm in HR, right? Like one of my, the buckets I oversee. So I, I, I deeply recognize that there are things that you can't share, right? That they're, you know, personnel issues, things like that. But when we're talking organization strategy writ large, or we're talking about um, uh, organizational change, change management, process change, right? Whether you're looking at governance or virtual remote, right? Like anytime our organizations are, are grappling with how we're going to do anything, the more we can be communicating and the more transparent we can be with our rationale and our thinking, the more buy-in we're going to get and the better decisions we're going to make, right? So I always think about it through a couple of different lenses. One is where are we trying to go strategically, right? What are we looking to do as an organization? And, you know, what is it that people need to know about that in really in order to be effective either in their jobs or effective participants in it or, you know, receive the benefits from it? Um, the other thing I'm always thinking about is what are the like impacts and consequences or what we're trying to do and how do we leverage transparency? How do we leverage communication early enough in our change processes that we can actually change, right? So we can actually make adjustments to where we think we're headed based on the reality on the ground, as opposed to deciding we're going down a certain path and getting so far down that we're not actually able to make adjustments anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've really, I use, um, I use piloting, as language, because I think a lot of people are familiar with pilots. Tell me more. And, um, so part of what I am always thinking about with anything, anything we're thinking about doing is really like we start talking around the edges, we start formulating, and then I'm like, 
throw it out there to the masses. Like, I don't care if nobody's ready for it. <laughs> right? I don't, you know, like, just get it out there. And it doesn't have to be ready. And it shouldn't be ready. And we should be telling people it's not ready. Because what we need to do is we need to, to your earlier point, we're building trust by saying, we're working on this. We know we don't have all the answers. We want you to help us really refine it. And we're definitely putting out here before this is not a clean product, right? This is not like the final thing. And what I have found is in doing that, we are, we're bringing people into the process in a very different way. And we're valuing their perspectives. We're valuing their, their opinions. And 98% of the time we're coming up with a product where at least it has a couple components that we never would have thought of if we hadn't thrown it out there. Um, and I, I will say this, you know, this applies to processes from like, we were, we redid a, a, like we blew up one of our conferences and completely restructured it. And we were going down one path and we were like, time out. We need to check with the attendees of the conference. And we got some feedback. We were like, and we had to, you know, we had to back up yeah, and pivot, switch adjust. some things. Right. And I've done it with organizational redesign too, where, you know, we, we use different layers of the staff to really dig into the, like, you, you got to start at one level layer where you're kind of at least putting something right, right or setting something up. And then you can involve other people in the redesign so that they have a greater stake in the whole organization and they can articulate things that, you know, top level management in an organization may never see and may not recognize when they're doing a redesign. Uh, something I've stood on in our organizations is always having as many, if not all staff in the strategic planning portions of mm -hmm. our annual meetings. We do a biannual meeting just to kind of check in and then we do quarterlies and monthlies and the whole deal. But and originally it was, hey, let's get everybody's ideas on the table. And I really want to go around and have everybody participate in some form or fashion because sometimes it is something that goes unspoken. You want all the feedback, positive or negative, so that you can make the best decisions. And let's hash this out together. But I want everybody to see that process because I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of value in just opening up about the thinkings and the hows and the whys, um, yeah. as you mentioned. What's interesting is what ultimately came out of that, if I look back in my career, was it was more of a deposit or investment in the culture than it was the strategy. Talk to us a little bit about how you marry those things, maybe in your current role and the importance of strategy and culture together, because those are two very large components of your of your current role. They are. Um, and I think for me, it's really difficult to separate the two. Um yeah. I, um, I am a firm believer in generating really high levels of engagement with our staff. Um, and a lot of that, um, is about really identifying, you know, where staff can best support the strategic plan and helping them understand those places. Um, and in parallel with that, right, as you are, as you're connecting staff to the strategic plan, you're also building this culture of engagement, right? The culture of excitement. Um, and you're really helping them see value in the work that they're bringing to the organization. Um, I think with me, you know, so much of what I do is I, I look at like interpersonal interaction. So like this intersection between systems and people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really looking at how are we, like, how are we operating as a leadership team? And then how does that impact the staff that are directly reporting to us? And then 
how are the staff in the various departments of our organization interacting with each other? And how are we supporting their ability to work directly with each other, right? So you're not going up the hierarchy back down, but engaging them at a level that they feel sufficiently empowered to work directly with each other, but also run things up if they need to run them up. And while we're doing those things, having these constant conversations about, you know, the strategic plan and the strategic alignment. And what's interesting is that I don't think I ever use, like, if I'm thinking about like a week of conversations with staff, I don't think I ever use the word strategic plan unless I'm in a governance conversation and we're potentially planning for the board, right? Interesting. Yeah. And, and it's, it's because we're, we're embedding it in a different way. So I'm not having to point to this is area of focus, you know, thriving organization. And what we're talking about right now is, you know, our digital first strategy under thriving organization, right? Like that's not how I'm talking on a daily basis. Right. But, but what I am talking about all the time is how are we, why are we doing what we're doing? Right. What is the end goal of the conversation we're having today about implementing a new registration system? Right. And I think that, that goes to that why piece, right? The more as leaders we're talking about the why and the, even if we're not saying strategic planning, like the connection to like doing these three things is going to help us better serve our members. And it's going to help make your job more straightforward with less steps so that yeah. you can do higher value work for the organization, pulling all of those pieces together. I mean, from a cultural standpoint, I have found it results in a really high performing organization, right? Because the staff feel heard. They know where their work connects. Um, and, and they also start seeing connections between their work and the, the work of others. Yeah. Being, being siloed and, and kind of just going through and hitting the hammer, stamping one license plate, whatever it is, it's hard to understand unless you see the whole picture, the value of what it is that you're doing and how it sort of fits into the role. And I, I, I did not tee you up before the show for this. So I'm putting you on the spot now, if I could. Do you have moments looking back in your career, recent past, where you recognize one of these things? What did that look like? And, and sanitize it as you need to for you know organization and names. But is there a moment where you thought or did something that you so said, that was exactly what I'm talking about. That was the intersection. And the only way I found it was because I asked a specific question or we had to do something different. If I, if I put you in the, in the seat, could. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I actually think it's an interesting question because I mean, I can point to a couple of different moments in my career. Um, you know, I, I sort of this large systems integration, um, work that I started doing actually started with the technical systems integration, right? Makes um, sense. And at, at one of my early organizations, we went from um, not having any um, database at all um, and somehow functioning as an organization as, as one does um, to actually, I had to make the case that we needed a database. Um, and to your point about like connecting the dots, I remember distinctly, I had conversations with multiple teams across the organization. And I, rem- I remember staff at various points saying, oh my God, it took me forever to look that up. Or, you know, I just wish I had one place I could go to for it. And I had all of these different conversations about like, how long did it actually take you to find this one piece of information? And I asked every team the same question. 
And I remember being in front of our all staff meeting, kind of pitching this. And I was like, and after talking with all of you, it took this team this many hours and this team this many hours. And and I was able to actually, like with data, lay out. Pull the calculator up. And right. start. <laughs> exactly. Here's how much time was wasted, you all. So actually, we're going to save money by implementing 50000 or $100,000 solution. Right. Exactly. And I and and for me, that was the like one of those points where I'm, I'm like, I, it's interesting you asked that question because I never thought about the fact that like I can actually point point my fascination and excitement about organizational change back to a moment like that where I can I can see that all of these people are working around the same issue. None of them know that the others are working around the same issue and I can see the issue and I can help them move through this and create a different environment for them to be working in. Um, which is a, a really powerful, powerful moment. Thank you for bringing that to me. <laughs> well, you and I, you and I share that. I also like big, complex. You know, the more complex, the better. Uh, I get jazzed up about that. I like the systems aspect, matching with the culture piece as well. And I had a moment early in my career where I was working in sales, uh, and we had a marketing team that seemed like it was on the other side of the county at the time, even though they were just on the other side of one wall. And neither of us knew what the other was doing. Um, all of a sudden, you know, we'd get an influx of inbound calls. Why is this happening? Why are we doing all this? And there was just never a communication connection, a bridge that was ever made to say, hey, here's the feedback back and forth. And, oh, what are you all doing? And how does that impact over here? And I really enjoyed that for me. If I asked myself the question, which I guess I just did internally, but and now I'm sharing the answer was, that's what started it for me was I found a bridge, I solved a problem, and I thought, hmm, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I, I will say that I'm in the middle, um, we're in the middle of some really complex governance change um, right now. And I'm, I'm finding myself kind of going back to the, like the data we've collected over the, the tiny, tiny changes that we've made over the last three years, which are actually adding up to like huge, huge returns. Um, in, in the governance work and sort of now at this sort of stage of my career, actually being able to see that where, whereas I think that in earlier stages of my career, I wasn't actually able to always see the impacts of the work that I was doing until mm -hmm. I had like stepped out of the organization, stepped away and looked back and been like, Oh, wow. And I think that I'm, I'm much more intentional now, especially, I mean, this ties into the culture question you asked. I'm much more intentional now in, in, in looking for the positive impacts of the changes that we're making and drawing attention to them and showing people with data, especially, I mean, and making, making sure we're creating the data sets if we can. Right. Um, but showing people with data that like we are changing, right? And so there's this constant like cheerleader, uh, space that I'm in right now, making sure that everybody is also seeing the change we're making as we're going through it. So nobody is feeling too much like we're not moving anything forward, right? You'll always, I think in any organizational change, you'll always have folks feeling like too much is moving forward, not enough is moving forward, right? But yeah. striking that middle ground and helping everybody see what we're doing is yeah. really important. A lot of folks that I talk to that come from the corporate world and sort of take the pay cut, unlike museums, I understand now, but <laughs> um, that take the pay cut to come into nonprofits are doing so because they have a heart for mission-driven work and if you don't see the impact, I, I could also echo that in the earlier parts of my career, I underemphasized or underestimated the impact of those motivational factors of, hey, are we really moving the ball? And again, I'm just kind of 
in my lane doing my thing. And even if I did understand, okay, here I am, the cog in the wheel, but what's where's the wheel going and what is the wheel doing and everything else? I, I now, later in my career, uh, mid or whatever, um, <laughs> understand understand how motivating and, and how just valuable and impactful that could be to show everybody inside and outside mm-hmm. the organization the impact you're having. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, jumping off of that, I think one of the other things that I've, somebody was asking me recently, like, what do I, one of my friends has a tendency to text me these really deep questions first thing in the morning. <laughs> and I think she had messaged me something about like, you know, what one thing do you feel like is, has been most informative to you in your career in like working with other staff. That's a wake and, up question. Wow. Yes. I, this is where I get to start my morning, right? Okay. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for this. No coffee. Turn for the this brain one. on. Yeah. Right. But it was really interesting because in parallel to celebrating change, right? Attention to the progress we're making, it made me think about how important it has been for me to learn to appreciate and deeply value history with that, right? So I have, I've had some very hard learning lessons in my career related to history um, from the perspective of, of properly valuing the experience people have had in the organization and what they bring from years and years of working in an organization. And, you know, what I have learned from that is that unless we, we, look at the history, we we comprehend why decisions were made, what the cultural space was that, you know, organizations or staff or members are functioning in before we initiate the change effort and continue to respect that history as we're going through the change effort. The change effort has a lot more tension in it. Sure. Um, if we're, if we're not constantly thinking about that, right. And, 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 so it's kind of an interesting thing that made me think of when I was thinking about like the the forward part of change. There is tension in change. I think that's mm-hmm. the part that most people back away from and I've learned to just kind of embrace. In fact, sometimes the more tension, the more reason you should have that conversation, the more reason to lean in. And it's yeah. there's so much more trust and relationship on the other side of that if you do that than you do the opposite and run away or shy away or what have you. But so yeah. I, you got culture, you have strategy. Um, you all are hiring into this culture and strategy environment, which is great. Um, it's not easy to hire into association staff these days to begin with. Um, what is, what are things that you're doing? <clears throat> What's your strategy, if you will, on the hiring and, and what's some advice that you could share just from your career that's worked well in uh, in this position of hiring for your, well, tell us the role too. Yeah. So we've actually, right. We've got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, we actually have, I think four, maybe five today roles out there right now. Um, okay. We've got an accounting manager role. We've got um, a uh, marketing manager role. We've got an editorial content manager role. We've got our foundation coordinator role. And today, I think we just posted our state policy analyst role, which is like a government relations position. So we've got a lot out there right now. (laughs) Sorry, I had to like think through the list. 
Um, so what, what I think is really interesting about, um, our approach right now is that, um, I'm a firm believer that you don't ever rehire into an existing position unless you are 100% positive that that position still needs to be in the organization. So anytime we have a vacancy at the organization, I'm working with the, the vice president, um, and or the hiring manager, depending on where it is in the organization to actually take a step back and look at the department structure look at the future needs and really assess what what we need for for one of our teams. And so what's fascinating um, about what that has resulted in is that a number of brand new positions keep getting created in our organization because we're identifying that like what we needed previously actually isn't what we need now, right? So for all of these the positions that I've just listed off, we've never had well, we've had the accounting manager before, yeah. um, but the others are brand new positions to the organization, which I think is really cool because that means people get to make it what they want. Cool. But it's also really helping us as an organization stay focused on the future, right? And be looking for the relevant up-to-date skill sets and kind of making sure that we're constantly thinking about what do we need to do as an organization and where do we need to be next, yeah, I keep hearing that, you know, new roles pop up. You know, I heard new in the association world, the chief experience officer, these type of things like these weren't around. Uh, and these were these roles, some of these roles weren't even around for your particular association. So I love that idea of just taking the time to pause. I do the same thing after mistakes, which we all make. Maybe I make them more often than others. But th to learn from that, I'm like teaching my son the same thing. Like it's OK to have a bad game or bad practice or whatever it is, but stop and figure out why, what happened, and then yeah. is that something you need to carry forward? I love the idea of in the same right, is this a position? We've always had it, is the response. Yeah. Well, okay, yes, but do we need to have it moving forward? That's the past. So yeah. I don't hear that very often. If anybody's listening, I would highly encourage that. And I, that could be a, a one-hour conversation. That could be a one-week conversation, however long yeah. it takes you to sort of untangle and debrief on Yep. The role, its importance, the skill set, is that really what we need for the next five years? I, I just can't yep. think enough about that. So I want to take now a full circle. And by that, I mean, I've now heard the story. You came in essentially through a volunteering, right? You came in through yep. a volunteer position that was part of an association, which is, I'd say, one route. Some people are born into it. Some people run away from corporate, like I love you came in through the volunteer route, but you you've really come full circle in the sense that you do a lot of volunteering um, on boards and committees and certifications. But specifically, you've done a lot with ASAE. Like, tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more about your history with ASAE and, and your sort of your current roles and responsibilities there. Yeah. So um, I actually came into ASAE um, on the recommendation of an old a former, not an old, a former supervisor um, who, interestingly enough, I don't think was very active in ASAE, but encouraged me to join um, and was um, got uh, was lucky enough actually to land in one of the ASAEs um, very early. It was pre next gen. So it was mm. called the Leadership Academy. So I think um, our group was the last class of 2012. Um, and, you know, I had this opportunity to be with you know, a, a number of um, association professionals newer in our careers um, and kind of build this like cohort and also also find myself in this place where, you know, ASAE can be kind of overwhelming um, if you're just trying to walk in by yourself, right? And so I have this group of people that all of a sudden I know and we're learning about leadership together and we're understanding ourselves as leaders and we're going to all of these conferences. And, 
you know, I was lucky enough at one of the conferences to meet um, some of the like volunteer managers or, or ASA staff who mm-hmm. were responsible for some of the volunteer groups and then found myself in the, um, I, I, I didn't find myself. Let me reframe. <laughs> I asked to, about one of the committees to see how go. to get on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to pretend this was not intentional. You I was didn't very walk intentional. into a room not knowing what it was. <laughs> right. I was like, what? And so I, I actually did manage my own pathway um, and and kind of was asking questions about how to get on committees. And then I wound up on a committee and I, I feel like that's part the beginning of my ASAE journey. And I just everything in terms of the what I have learned through participating in ASAE, through courses, through the networks, through studying for the CAE exam, um, I have grown so much in my career just by having the opportunities and um, it's, I'm actually, I've reached a point in my career where I want to give back to others, right? I want to take the opportunity to make sure they have the same learning opportunities I did, make sure that, you know, if I'm able to get onto a panel, making sure I'm bringing others who have never been on a panel with me. Um, and I think all of us have the responsibility to, to try to help others learn and grow in whatever way, um, is important to them, right? Which also, kind of feeds into why associations are important to me, right? The every thing, there's an association for everything, right? As we all know. And those are the places, right? <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Um, I but those are the places. some odd birds out there. I won't name right? them. <laughs> there are. And those are those places where those individuals with that same, you know, care about whatever the industry is, are going to get their network, you know, to network, to get their learning, to get education and, I feel like it's so important that there we we are an industry that can provide that within individual industries to to people, which is it's it's just fascinating to be able to be part of that. Yeah, and so currently you're on the executive management advisory council. Is that right? Yep. So mm-hmm. tell us tell us a little bit about that. What is that council about, and what what drew you to that specifically? Yeah, um, that council is uh, really focused in on all elements of leadership in the association level. So it's the council is made up of a variety of uh, individuals that are all somewhere in the high level C-suite of their association. Um, and the council is really focused on providing educational opportunities and learning opportunities um, for um, ASAE. So it, the council works pretty closely with um, the volunteer leadership of ASAE. And we're generally looking at topics that we feel like are they're not bleeding edge, right? But there may be topics that we we could be paying more attention to in the association space. Um, I know that they're they're working on a webinar series right now. I don't know if I should say what the topic is, so I won't. Okay. But they're you know they're looking at Good I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how far out it's gone yet, but they're working on a webinar series right now around some new topics. I know last year they did a, a webinar series related to like what the the role of the chief operating officer is in mm-hmm. an association and how you have that synergy with the CEO. Um, and so it's really about helping us to kind of think differently and, and, and help us seed new knowledge, I think, with the association executives, like at the higher levels of the organization. That's really interesting. I, I, um, it is a little overwhelming stepping into ASE. I remember years ago, just sort of going to an annual meeting and trying to figure out where do I go? What do I do? Um, and you've you've kind of popped around to a couple of different areas, so I can appreciate that. And again, I just I wanted to point out that you came in through volunteer and that the idea that you're giving back is 
just such an inspiration and aspiration for some of the younger folks that are in the industry, but also just highly recommend when you feel you've gotten to that point. It is just invaluable to to do that and sort of next gen um, bringing those young leaders up mm-hmm. in the association industry. It not only is self-fulfilling, um, but it's a really kind of a deposit and investment in the industry. And so we thank you for that. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. And I, I, one thing caveat I would put on what you said is that I, I would encourage everyone to start giving back before they feel like they're ready. I think that a lot of us in the industry are, uh, we're, it, we start out in the space of, oh, I'm not an expert. Oh, people don't need to hear what I'm saying. And uh, so many association professionals, like just, are, are so brilliant and side conversations that you're just like, wait, what did you just say? You know? And so I think a lot of people don't perceive themselves as expert when actually they really are. Um, and so I would encourage anybody who's listening to this to, to really think about what you're passionate about and, and start sharing that with others. Yeah. Well said and, and good catch. Wait, please correct me. That was, uh, <laughs> You said that much better than I did. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the show. As we, uh, as I wrap us up, as we do, um, I often ask folks, is there somebody else that you would recommend uh, that could come on our show that you think our audience would find value in hearing from? Oh, my gosh. Um, yes. I'm trying to, there was something, someone I was just thinking of that I don't think you've had yet. Um, have you talked to Rodnika Scott yet? Sounds great. Uh, she's amazing. I, d- I heard you talk to Sharon Newport because I mm-hmm. saw, I saw it on your list. Yes. Um, and there's definitely, I'm sure if I, if I sat down, I could give you a list of 15 people. <laughs> I'm sure you could. We'll, we'll put Casey back in touch with you. We'll get it, we'll get it locked down. But Rhea, thank you again Absolutely. for joining us today and, and sharing your history, your story. And Absolutely. I think there's some great, some gold in there that I hope our listeners will take away and implement in their own association. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it.